Do you ever wish the sermon was shorter? No, yes. Well, today it's going to be shorter, but that's because we have something else special someone's going to be sharing uh, with us afterwards, and so I wanted to make sure that we had time for that, and it's going to fit in very well. Actually, it's going to be Kim Bromley. Uh, Kim works with preg- at Pregnancy Concerns, and uh, we've been in conversation for a while, and I thought this is a great Sunday to come and share, and you'll figure out why as we go along. But before we get into the open the word this morning and into the message, let's, let's pray together. Lord, we have come before you in song. And Lord, I've been reading this week in your word how you desire that we should come and we should rejoice before you in all, in everything. Lord, that we should rejoice in you in the little things that we know how to pick up a book and read it. To rejoice in you when we do something in our workplace and it works and it's good. When we have the opportunity to help someone or when we are helped someone. Lord, you have given us many blessings. And as we sung this morning, Lord, we, we want to praise you, Lord, when the sun is shining down on us and everything seems good. But Lord, we also want to praise you and remember that you are the God who is the same when the storms of life come. And Lord, we pray for those who are in the middle of some storms in their life or have come alongside those who are in the midst of storms in their life. God, we thank you that you showed and continue to show yourself in Jesus Christ and in your spirit that you are the one who is with us in all things. Indeed, Jesus, you made the promise, I will be with you until the very end of the age when we will experience the fullness of your presence. Lord, we thank you for reminders that your spirit gives us. Lord, to thank you and to praise you, to pray and intercede, Lord, for others. And we thank you, Lord, for the gift of your word. And we pray, Lord, that as we uh, look into your word this morning, as we look into the influence and impact that you have had in our world and in our lives, Lord, that you would be glorified and that your mission would be expanded. Amen. Well, we are currently in a series entitled, What If Jesus Had Never Come? in which we're exploring the impact Jesus and his followers have had in various areas of life. It's helpful, it's a helpful thought experiment, I think, to, to, and that can be helpful to us both personally and collectively, especially in a time and culture that is actively and persistently trying to break free from a Christian past and influence that we have been told is repressive and oppressive. But will trying to unhitch our culture from Christian influence actually lead to and enhance human flourishing or not? A wise person has said that if you don't know where you are going, it is sometimes helpful to know where you have been. This is especially the case when we consider the impact that Jesus has had in history and what life would be like, what it was like before he came, and what it would be like if Jesus had never come. 
One of the issues being hotly contested and debated today is the value of human life, especially at what I call the bookends of life, at the very beginning and the very end of life. These debates are often very personal, emotional, and, of course, political. I remember seeing something of the political volatility of it a few years ago when my wife Elaine and I, when we went and visited a, a local Cineplex movie theater to watch a movie by a former director of a Planned Parenthood clinic who had become pro-life. We had bought the ticket, but when we arrived at the movie theater, uh, there was no visible sign anywhere that that movie was actually showing. And we wondered why. And we found out in response to the threats of protests by abortion advocates, the theater was taking special precautions. First, by blanking out the name of the movie that we had gone to see. And they posted a security guard there as well inside the theater and uh, checked every one of us over before we were seated. It struck us as ironic that a movie chronicling the story of a former abortion uh, clinical manager turned pro-life was seen to be more of a threat, more dangerous for viewers than any of the R-rated movies featuring a lot of violence that were very well featured and displayed. Ironic. Clearly, abortion remains one of the most emotionally loaded and divisive issues facing us today. And debates over abortion are admittedly complex, too complex to be reduced to a, you know, to a single placard message. But it is too important also to just remain silent on the sidelines, simply watching what others are saying and doing. Now, I come to this topic, you should know, neither as an expert nor as a novice. I have known the first-hand dilemma of having to decide what to do when a routine ultrasound revealed genetic abnormalities in our unborn child. Suddenly, we, my wife and I, found ourselves wrestling with our options and what option we would choose and why. And also, as a, a friend and as a pastor, I have heard people share their dilemmas including the secret sorrow of having had an abortion themselves. I know enough to know that the reasons people choose to consider and even have an abortion are many and complex, and a complex mix of difficult emotions and decisions that I believe are best processed in consultation and conversation with others. Healthcare professionals, yes, Sometimes genetic specialists, yes, but also people in the faith community. Now, while the primary aim of today's message is to look at Jesus' impact on the value of human life before birth, uh, if you're wondering about what about near the end of life, you can check out a message I did back in August. It's still there on, on the website, August of 2019, that is still available on our website and I also want to mention how important it is that we also remember the impact and availability of Jesus' boundless love, grace, and forgiveness. If you were here last week, you got a window into that when the guest speaker shared with us Christian humility, but rooting it in Jesus' 
What did he do with a woman who was caught in adultery? That story in John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11, is also the impact, as he shared, the boundless impact of Jesus' great grace and forgiveness for us. Now, since the earliest human records of human history, both abortion and infanticide, that is, leaving children to die by exposing them or actively putting them, passively or actively, these have been common practices. As Dr. John Wyatt notes, far from being confined to primitive, unsophisticated communities, both were well known in the cosmopolitan and advanced civilizations of ancient Greece and Rome. A few weeks ago, I gave you a, a historical window into how infamously universal infanticide was among the Greeks and the Romans. So common was it that Polybius blamed the population decline of ancient Greece on this very fact, the uh, amount, widespreadness of abortion and infanticide. And the great irony was that a major concern of the Greek city-states had been overpopulation, in the, centuries before, in the century before that. And both abortion and infanticide were seen as entirely rational and reasonable approaches to this danger. And then what happened? It wasn't a problem of overpopulation, it was a problem of underpopulation. I don't know if you've seen, there's been a number of items in the news rate recently about the underpopulation in many of the developing countries, including Canada. You're supposed to have a, at least a 2.1% birth rate in order to sustain a population, and Canada has come in at 1.44 and has been below for quite some time. So then we try to have a number of people immigrate, but this is becoming a widespread problem around the world for multiple, multiple reasons, one of which I think is that there were 3.2 million abortions performed just in Canada since 1989. 3.2 million. That's just in, in our country. Abortion was also widely available in the ancient world, provided by both professional and amateur abortionists and by some physicians, all for a price, of course. Infanticide and abortion were endorsed by the majority of the philosophers and writers of that period. You know, the famous ones like Plato, Aristotle, uh, Roman historian Seneca, in Plato's Republic, infanticide is regarded as essential to maintain the quality of its citizens. And Aristotle supported the law to ensure that no deformed child shall be reared. Handbooks on techniques for abortion circulated quite freely. Rather than considering it a vice, the famous Greek city Sparta, one of the most celebrated cities in Greece, declared it an ancient law to be a great virtue for the good of the state. As historian Tom Holland notes uh, in his book Dominion, in addition to contemning the death of deformed infants, girls in particularly were liable to be winnowed, that is, weeded out ruthlessly. Those who were rescued from the wayside would invariably be raised as slaves. Brothels were full of women who, as infants, had been abandoned by their parents. He goes on to say, pretty much everyone, uh, except, he says, the odd German tribe and the Jews, who had always taken it, that is, infanticide and abortion, for granted. Until that, it was just, that was what every much, pretty much everybody believed, until, he says, the emergence of a Christian people. 
Had we time to take a detailed search of the early church, we would find that the consistent teaching of the Christian church for the first three centuries, for example, was total opposition to the pagan practices of abortion and infanticide. Uh, it's in the writings, not only the, the following the teachings of Jesus. I mean, think about Jesus, the way of neighbor love, right? And care for the, for the most vulnerable and human life in all of its forms. And the Christians, they took that influence of Jesus very seriously and they opposed pagan practices. And they saw the need to also create practical alternatives. As Dr. John Wyatt notes, the rescue of orphans and foundlings was regarded by early Christians as a particular Christian duty. As the local population got to know about those Christians with their crazy ideas, it was apparently quite common for mothers to leave their unwanted babies at the doors of churches in the hope that they would be cared for. Uh, if you've ever seen the contemporary movie called The Dropbox, which is a story of what's taken place in Korea, that kind of idea. It's a very contemporary practice of something the church was doing long ago. And Christians frequently adopted these children, uh, these foundlings, as they were called, wherever they were found, because they would just be abandoned. They would adopt them into their families, and we know that because of inscriptions on tombs, that that would be included as an inscription on the tomb. And, uh, but as the numbers grew... The Christian orphanages then began to be set up in the 3rd and in the 4th centuries. And the leavening influence of their belief and their behavior was such that near the end of the 4th century, by A.D. 374, infanticide and exposure and infant exposure were made punishable by law. And every parent was required to care for their own offspring. Well, we can talk about the large-scale influence of, of Jesus. But I wanted to just share you, with you a briefly a personal window of story into the personal impact that Jesus has had in this area. And then I'll be inviting Kim up after that. So I want to tell you just a little bit of our story. I mentioned earlier that my wife and I, when we were pregnant with our first child, she went for a routine ultrasound and... Uh, Soon we were called into the doctor's office where we were delivered the news that our unborn child had a, had a genetic defect. We were first-time parents, so what did we do? We cried a lot. And we prayed with family, with friends, including uh, we were in a Bible study at the time and the hosts the retired couple, uh, we had them over and shared the news with them. And they cried with us and prayed for us. And we met with doctors, lots of them, genetic counselors and specialists. And we asked God to show us, basically, what would Jesus do? Because there were a lot of different voices. And reading the Gospels with that question in mind became a very enlightening and moving experience. Mary's, in Luke chapter 1, for example, if you recall, Mary is newly pregnant and she goes to visit her Aunt Elizabeth, who is six months, you know, farther along in the pregnancy than she is. 
And it says that when, uh, you know, when he hears the voice, the, the infant, we call it a fetus, but this unborn child within Aunt Elizabeth leaps within her at that voice. Already in utero, there is uh, this child, this unborn child, right, is celebrating and rejoicing. A window into when does life begin? But then what impacted uh, us most was then seeing Jesus' interactions with all of those people, especially that the world had considered discounted, damaged items, throwaways. And Jesus, whenever he met them, he saw them as infinitely valuable. It became pretty clear to us, you know, what would Jesus do? And in the words of a very timely song that God also brought into our life, at just the right time, we, disco we discovered, as the song said, sometimes miracles hide, and God will wrap some blessings in disguise. You may have to wait this lifetime to see the reasons for your eyes, with your eyes, because sometimes miracles hide. That's why it's called faith, because we need to trust that what God says, that he knows what he's doing better than we, can see, than we can know, that we can see, and to trust him. And Elaine and I thank Jesus for opening our eyes and hearts to receive the wonderful daughter that he gave us and has blessed us with these 30-plus years. It's very practical outcomes when we see the impact that Jesus not only had, but that he continues to have. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Kim Bromley uh, works at uh, Local Pregnancy Concerns. We support that ministry each year, at least in a very tangible way. From Mother's Day, we launch the Operation Baby Bottle campaign. And we invite you to pick up a baby bottle or to give a donation between then and Father's Day toward this important work. And I wanted to, you to have some windows into, so what impact does that have? And what does it look like now that believers together are doing and as someone who is working in the front lines of that? So, Kim, please come and share with us. Thanks. Good morning, church. Uh, thank you so much for having me today. Um, this sermon series has been a perfect opportunity for me to share the impact that you guys are making when you support us through Operation Baby Bottle and volunteer hours and every other way that you can imagine. We are just appreciative of it. Um, so God led me to tell this story today uh, that sets up perfectly with this sermon series. Um, so the question that we've been asking is, what if Jesus had not come? What if Jesus hadn't been born? The amazing gifts, the lessons, the forgiveness, the hope, the love, the light. What if these things had not happened? Where would our society be? Well, as Pastor David's been talking about it, it's obvious it would not be in a good place, right? But it had me asking myself, what if Mary had said no? No thanks. I'm not having this child. Or Joseph had said, this isn't the right time. We're not financially stable. 
we want kids, but not quite yet. Or if Mary's fear had completely taken over. What if she couldn't figure out how to tell Joseph that she was pregnant? Or tell her family? She was young, she was unmarried, and she was very unexpectedly pregnant. How did she get through the situation? Even with God on her side, it must have been extremely scary for her to deal with. Unfortunately, these are the situations that I deal with almost daily at my work. The list is long as to why people choose abortion, and it is complex. Basically, I hear, I'm not ready to have a baby, we aren't financially stable, my parents will kill me, we can't any afford any more children, what will our church say about us? I'm too young and I'm not done school yet. My boyfriend will leave me if I don't have an abortion. I've also heard a couple times, I'm going on vacation next month. It's not the right time. So one client that came into our center used almost all of these reasonings uh, when he came in with his girlfriend. He said that he would support whatever she chose, but he wanted her to have an abortion. He was very forceful about it. He didn't know if he ever wanted kids, and for sure, not right now. As I walked them through what the abortion procedure actually is, what the risks truly are, and I showed them how their child was developing, he was in shock. He thought that abortion was a quick and easy fix, that there were no risks, and that his child was simply a clump of cells at this point. It's what he was taught. It's what he believed to be true. He had no idea that his child was rapidly developing, that it had a heartbeat and fingers, or that there were long-term physical and emotional risks to both himself and to his girlfriend if they chose to have an abortion. Now, I am so grateful that the Lord brought them into my center that day, and I know that my client is too, because when they visited me last month for Christmas with their two-month-old daughter, he told me that he couldn't believe he had ever considered terminating his daughter. He said she was the most amazing little creature that he had ever seen. He loved watching her grow each day, and he couldn't imagine his life without her. He said that it was scary and shameful to think, what if she hadn't been born? What if he had chosen that, he, that she wasn't allowed to be born? It was a difficult moment, and also a very beautiful one that I'm gonna treasure forever. Because even through the lack of Christian values in our society, the lack of any abortion laws in Canada, God gives us hope. He gives us strength and opportunities to carry on doing his will and his work when we're open to him. And I feel very privileged to work at Pregnancy Concerns and being allowed to experience and see the Lord in action in our community. So I have another story of hope to share. Uh, a client uh, bravely spoke at our Life Affirming Gala this past fall. Uh, she's an amazing young woman who chose life for her child as well. Uh, 
and we were blessed enough to walk alongside of her through her pregnancy and beyond. And this is her story in her words. I started going to the clinic back in March. So the day when I found out I was pregnant, I was in a state of shock. I was wondering if it was real because I didn't feel like it was real. The moment I found out, I told my then partner about the pregnancy and he told us that we need to get an abortion. He said we weren't ready to be parents and that we weren't mentally prepared, we weren't financially prepared, and that it would be our best option. Because I trusted him, I automatically started looking online to look for resources to get an abortion. And the first place that came up was pregnancy concerns. And I'm like, well, I have a pregnancy concern, so this is perfect. So I went straight in and booked an appointment and came right in. I thought it was going to be as easy as getting a pill, taking it, calling it a day, and then leave that whole thing behind us. But when I got in, I met Kimberly, and she took the time to hear my story. She asked me a bunch of questions about my life circumstances, my faith, and my religion. But to be honest, the only thing I could think about during that time was I just wanted an abortion. I, I didn't really want to hear all these things. I kind of just was so determined to go that route. At the end of talking to her, she told me that she was going to pray for me to help me stabilize my mind and to do what I wanted to do. And I thought that was interesting because I'm also a very religious person and prayer is a really important thing. And so being told that someone was praying for me, I thought was very just interesting. And during that moment, I kind of thought back on, you know, about my faith and about what, what are my beliefs. And so looking at past talks from leaders in my church, they called an attack against the defenseless. And it kind of reminded me of my values and my beliefs and who I wanted to be. In my church, we don't believe in intimacy before marriage. So I already knew in that part, I'd, I'd have to talk to my bishop and stuff and get that organized. And I didn't want to have another burden placed on me of having an abortion. So after I was kind of in the process of deciding whether I wanted to go through an abortion, um, my partner messaged me one night, or my then partner messaged me that night, telling me that the pregnancy kind of helped him realize that he didn't want to be in a relationship and that it would be best for us to go our ways. And um, after that, he followed up with, so are you going to go through with the appointment? And so at that moment, I kind of just clicked to me saying, I didn't, I didn't want an abortion. I wanted to keep this child, and no matter what happens, I'll be okay. And so then I decided I'm going to keep the child. And so during that moment and during that week, I really called up and followed up, and I wasn't expecting it at all, asking me how I was doing and asking for a meeting. So I said yes, and I told her and updated about everything that happened, and she was super sympathetic with, with everything that was happening, and I could tell she genuinely cared about me and that she was happy that I made that choice on my own. And automatically, during that appointment, she's like, do you want to look at maternity clothes? And I'm like, I'm seven weeks pregnant. I don't, <laughs> I'm not even showing. But having that opportunity made the experience a lot more real, knowing that I'll be growing a child and that I'll be able to wear these clothes. And I have worn some of those clothes, so I was really grateful to kind of help solidify that feeling. So weeks got on and came on, and then my then partner decided that he wanted to give it a try, wanted to see if we could raise a family, and so I was super happy about that, and um, Kimberly called and followed up, and I told her about the updates in my life, and once again, she was super empathetic. She was super happy for me. She made plans that he could come in and see baby clothes and help him make the experience more real. 
So she really helped me regulate my thoughts and kind of helped me understand the impact of my choice. But unfortunately, life happens again and I found out that my then partner was actually seeing someone else and that he broke up with me for good and didn't want anything to do with the baby. So I realized I was alone in that matter. So being desperate, I had to collect my resources. I went to my church and just reached out to some of the people in my church, like the sister missionaries in my church and to my, pres my stake president and just everyone that I could think of. And then I remember Kimberly, and it was the first time that I decided to call her. And I remember just calling her, just not knowing what to do and what to say, and telling her once again the updates of my life. And once again, she was really sympathetic, and she's wanted me to come in person right away to talk all about it. And when I got there, she was like, let's look at baby clothes, and once again, helped me kind of solidify my feelings that I was making the right choice. Even though everything was crushing down on me, she, she made the experience 100% real. And, I remember taking those baby things home and I was, I felt like that first bit of excitement, like, you know, I might be doing this alone, but I made the right decision for myself and I see that the grace of God has helped me through this. And so it's been a great blessing. So where things are now, unfortunately, as I always tell Kimberly, there's always a story to share. Um, I found out that my um, ex decided to get married during the pregnancy and that he told me he wanted to focus on his new family. And so that was a really hard kind of pill to swallow because we, we went to the same church together, we had the same values, and it was, just, it was just heartbreaking to know that this child isn't wanted by one individual, but what matters is I want the child. And from the grace of God, my pregnancy has been super easy physically. No morning sickness, I've been totally fine. My weight gain has been good. <laughs> I've been still going, being able to go to the gym. And I was able to put school on hold and find a full-time job. And so they're really supportive. And I'm just super grateful because during all that step, Kimberly has been by my side. She's been one of those supporters. And I just want people to know that this clinic is, has helped real people, even like crazy stories like mine. I don't know what I would do with without it. Every single time I go there, they offer me things. Sometimes I get overwhelmed because I'm like, I don't even know what I need. <laughs> but they've been super nice and they've been really non-judgmental because, you know, being not married and being pregnant and being young, people kind of think, oh, you deserve it. Or you don't, like, why are you deciding to keep this child? Like, look at your life right now. But even though, like, the odds seem against me, for some reason, I just feel like everything will be okay. And I know that's the Lord guiding my life and knowing now that when I met her, my baby was only seven weeks old, and now we're at 33, tomorrow will be 34, and just almost a month away. And it's been such a huge blessing. So once again, I'm just really grateful for this opportunity to have these wonderful people in my life. Honestly, it's, it saved my life a lot, because I don't know what I would do without my faith, without my, my friends who have been there for me. And yeah, I just want to say thank you for everyone for helping people like me that have to struggle through all these things. But you make it a lot easier to go through. Thank you. Uh, so I'm happy to announce that she had a beautiful baby boy. Um, he's two months old now, cute as a button. We get to see him every couple weeks. It's just absolutely amazing. Um, and yes, I just wanted to say thank you to all of you for the support and for allowing us to be able to give her baby items and give her uh, 
someplace safe to come and to talk to, to us uh, whenever she needs. So thank you to all of you. Thank you so much. We also want to pray for you, Kim, and, uh, and for Luce. And uh, I know that she also came, Luce came to our uh, the young, uh, the College and Career uh, Christmas uh, event. And so God brings things really close to home. And just one of the things, my wife Elaine and I were talking, you know, our congregation, we're, uh, we're not all young families, are we? Lots of grandparents. And here is an example of young families, young moms and families that need surrogate grandparents. And uh, I think it's something God is at work uh, in us as well. But we want to pray for you. Oh, Lord, you call us each to be your witnesses. That is to tell the story of the influence and impact you have made in our lives. And that when we share those stories collectively, Lord, that through that your spirit works and gives birth spiritually and literally to new possibilities that are about flourishing and life. Not easy, but worth it. I thank you, Lord, for your, the work that you have done in Kim's life, Lord, in calling her into a life-changing relationship with you, calling her into this ministry, Lord, uh, supported, Lord, by her family. Lord, we pray that you would continue to use her, that, Lord, in those moments where she's like, I don't know exactly what to say or do, Lord, I thank you that you promised in those moments, Lord, when we are to give witness to you that your spirit will give us the words to say or not to say. And, uh, and Lord, I pray for your blessing on her, on the, the clients that she has met with, some that we have heard about today. Lord, may they continue also to be part of your lasting influence and impact in our world today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. I want to invite the, uh, the worship team to, to come up at this time and to, to praise God. We've got more to praise God for, don't we? Amen. That is a great song to, uh, to conclude, but not to end, because there is no end when we go out from here and to be the church. God calls us to gather together, to meet with him, to be built up, strengthened, encouraged, and then just to go out and to be his people and to, to share a story, to share the influence and impact that he has had on our lives. But also the great thing about the community of faith is that we can also, we have other stories to share as well, right? Those are the treasures that we have. It's like, I know this person as well. This is what God has done for them in their life. If you would like prayer, I really encourage you to, our prayer team uh, will be up here at the, at the front. Betty and Shirley will be there, and they would love to pray with you. If you could come and, uh, up to there, they would, they would love to pray with you.
to pray into your life and to see those seeds of what God will do and take root and grow. And I want to close and send you off with the, the closing verse from 2 Peter. He says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let us go and serve the Lord.